0: I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. I would also like to thank our podcast sponsor, Guarantee Commercial Title. Guarantee offers a new platform for the delivery of services based on the expertise and ingenuity of a visionary team of title professionals that identifies obstacles and creates solutions that result in a successful sale, construction, or financing of commercial real estate. To learn more, visit Guaranteetitle.net. The past few weeks have been momentous for Margaret Anderson Kelleher and the State Department she oversees. In early November, the Minnesota Department of Transportation officially wrapped up its 2021 construction season, which advanced or completed more than 260 projects including the mammoth $239 million four-year overhaul of Interstate 35W south of downtown Minneapolis. More recently, the federal government announced the passage of the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill, which will deliver billions of dollars to roads, bridges, mass transit, and more in Minnesota. In the following interview, Anderson Kelleher speaks with reporter Brian Johnson about the passage of the federal bill, the newly completed construction season, the future of transportation funding, and more.
1: It's great to be joined by Margaret Anderson Kelleher, Commissioner of the Minnesota Department of Transportation. Um, How are you doing this afternoon, Margaret?
2: Doing great, Brian. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's good to have you as well. And, um, I guess, you know, we'll just jump right in with the big news that everybody's been talking about and that of course is the passage of the big uh, federal transportation bill um just about a week ago now. We were just chatting before before I started my uh hit the record button here on the interview, but yeah, uh, pretty big deal. Um just big picture wise what what does that mean for Minnesota?
2: So it means that Over uh, the next period of time, the bill covers, there'll be $4.5 billion coming in specifically to Minnesota for roads, bridges, and highway safety with a focus on climate and equity and those safety issues. There's another additional $300 million that is specific for bridges and a portion of that is also set aside for local communities, non-state highways, so cities and counties um, as well, and it also has $68 million for electric vehicle charging, and we can kind of dive in and talk about that, as well as uh, $818 million for public transportation, largely that Public transportation money uh, will likely go to the Metropolitan Council. However, MnDOT also oversees and works with partners in rural communities outside of the metro area on their transit issues. And then there's over a hundred million dollars for internet, Uh, you know, the other way we move today, uh, which is the virtual way. So that's very exciting too.
1: Yeah, it's very exciting. And can you talk a little bit about how, um, sort of get into some specifics on how the money might be spent or sort of the process of, for example, does the federal government have a say in how certain funds can be allocated or um, can you walk us through that a little bit?
2: Yeah, so the bill has really, Um, kind of two different ways to distribute funds. One is what I was talking about, which is directly coming to the state will be that $4.5 billion over a a number of years in the bridge money, things like that. There's also a number of programs that states and communities, uh, cities, counties, others can apply for that are more specific to maybe a type of infrastructure. So there's going to be more bridge money that is available that the state um, will be interested in for particular bridges. There will be specific money around connecting communities. So lots of people have uh, you know, heard that that when the interstate highways came through in the late 50s and early 60s, many communities that were low power and low income and often communities of color were separated by the highway. So in our own city, we know this, you know, in Minneapolis and St. Paul in the Twin Cities, we have many examples of this. And one of the more notable ones is the Rondo neighborhood between Minneapolis in St. Paul. And so there's going to be some uh, category money that we could apply for that will help connect communities. And that's very exciting uh, to have available in the bill.
1: Yeah, and I, uh, my understanding was there are some, there is some additional funding that uh, s- s- state DOTs or cities can apply for that uh, requires some matching some matching funds. Is, is that what you're talking about there? Or is that a, a separate deal?
2: Yeah, so we we don't know 100% yet what will need to be matched and what won't need to be matched. We're, we have uh, some early indication that some of the bridge money may be 100% federally funded. Uh, as a real effort to try to take care of these, you know, critical safety issues on our system, as well as economic issues. You know, many of your listeners probably know when, when a bridge uh, starts to fall into disrepair or there's something that we have found wrong with a bridge, then we have to close that bridge or take it down to you know maybe two lanes instead of four lanes. Mm-hmm. And that causes significant time and delay. And so those monies we think are at least a portion of them are not going to have to be matched. But generally speaking, federal money uh, in transportation has to have a 20% match to it. We call that the state match. Um, in some cases, it might be a local communities match. But that is an important concept here because that definitely means that you know we're, we have some ideas about how these funds could help Minnesotans. We obviously will be talking to members of the legislature as well as others about their ideas, but we will need an appropriation to match uh, at least some of this funding by 20%. Yeah.
1: Well, that's a great segue into the legislative session, 2022. What are some of your um, goals for the session? Um, You know, in in addition to maybe
2: getting some of that, some of those matching funds. Um, Yeah. So, Brian, we actually were looking at the issues around bridges um, even before this bill passed federally. So, you know, we know that we have about 650 plus bridges that are in fair condition around the state. We have uh, put together for the governor's consideration a significant capital investment or using bond program that would help repair a number of these bridges. Um, I think that that, you know, with this federal money, we're going to have to probably look at, you know, what dollar amount do we need there now? We had put together an 800 million dollar program of bridge repairs so taking that before the legislature really working on safety issues so safety can be everything from folks who are driving in their cars and making cars and trucks and making sure that the roadway itself is safe intersections are better lighted there's a number of things that we can do out on highway 12 this year We installed uh, a median barrier so that we reduce those deadly head-on crashes out on that section of road. There's a lot of things like that can happen, but I would also say, uh, the other part of safety is for people who are walking, who are riding a bike, who are, you know, maybe using a non-motorized form of transportation or a very low motorized form of transportation, as we've seen the rise of other, you know, small scale electrification uh, type vehicles we need to make sure that, that those folks are safe as well. So safety is a major focus in this legislative session of things that we'll be working on and bringing before the legislature. Our budget year was last year. We did have a very uh, good budget session last year working bipartisanly House and Senate and the governor. And so I anticipate that, you know, there's gonna be some opportunities uh, to be able to hit this funding match for at least the next year or two, in terms of what we need federally, and then also being able to work on these other important issues.
1: Well, yeah, and you certainly know your way around the Capitol, having been House Speaker for what four years or yeah,
2: four years.
1: <laughs> yeah, and in the legislature from what 99 to 2011, something like that. Uh, must be fun for you to do that part of your job and. Uh kind of work, work the uh, halls at the Capitol again, huh?
2: Well, I think that, you know, one of the things that's been very nice to me, for, for me is reconnecting with former colleagues who are still in the legislature, but also getting to know, you know, new new folks who are in the legislature and really, you uh, you know uniquely uh, being a former legislator you understand some of the pressures that those legislators are under you understand the rhythm of their schedule and kind of what they're juggling and and dealing with and so i think that's been helpful in connecting with legislators to be able to really share that perspective. Um, But it's also been really fun to have legislators be curious about how an agency like MnDOT works, right? And so that's been really a a joy to be able to share more information about all aspects of MnDOT with folks.
1: Yeah, and sorry about the ringing phone here in the back.
2: (laughs) It happens.
1: uh yeah no that's that's um great insight there and um you know just the competing interests too throughout the state and of course you've got the people who want just the the roads and then the transit people and um how do you how do you balance that it's uh kind of a uh a lot of different people to satisfy there
2: yeah so um you know we need both we need we need good roads and good bridges, but we also need more transit in the state. If we want to be able to mitigate the, you know, issues around greenhouse gas uh, production, transportation is the largest producer of greenhouse gases today, not only in Minnesota, but around the globe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we need to work together to have these alternatives. And, you know, the alternatives are everything from Uh, more electric vehicles, as well as uh, being able to have cleaner fuels. So I am chairing with the commissioner of agriculture, a group to work on cleaner fuels in Minnesota, Oregon actually did this and has had great success in reducing greenhouse gas emissions with just this one piece of of that equation. And then I say all the time, we need more transit. We need we need transit that's clean, electrified and being able to get people where they want to go. And you know, it's a it's a time right now we're still coming out of this pandemic time, we're still in it. So it, we naturally see that transit ridership is down, but I really believe when you think about 10 years from now, uh, more people are going to be wanting to use transit than ever before.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned uh, previously the the money in the federal bill for uh, electric vehicles, uh, charging stations. Um, can you expand on that a little bit and what that means for Minnesota? And
2: Yes, so $68 million will come to Minnesota uh, to work on the issue of the electric vehicle charging network to be able to build that out. And so what I would say to your listeners is the important part here is that we need to have reliability across the state, that if you're using an electric vehicle that You're not going to get stranded somewhere without the ability to charge. And so it's not that MnDOT uh, or any other government agency is wanting to be in the business of running the electric chargers or owning the electric chargers, but we're interested in helping with the placement of electric chargers around the state to make sure that there is an equitable distribution of electric charging. I I don't know exactly what the program will look like, Brian, but I think it looks more like, you know, in Minnesota, we have this award-winning broadband program that's called the Minnesota Model, where what happens is that the state partners with uh, private sector, co-ops, communities, to s- help subsidize the the placement of the internet. Um, I think it's a similar sort of model where the state is assisting in both the placement as well as uh, uh, granting out. You know, there's going to be places in the state where for a while there may only be one or two electric vehicles in a county. But people traveling through that county will still need to charge their electric vehicle. And so I think that one of our big things here is making sure that that's distributed. We don't, we don't need all the electric vehicle chargers being in the metro area for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, what can you say about the other federal infrastructure bill that's been talked about, the human infrastructure bill or Build Back Better, whatever you want to call it, um, how does that tie in potentially to your interests uh, as a transportation commissioner?
2: Yeah, so we actually do need that bill to pass. A number of the funding mechanisms for the the, the larger infrastructure bill that, it, that did pass are in the other bill, are in the Build Back Better bill. Mm-hmm. And so we know that these two bills work together. I would say that, you know, it, as Minnesotans and, you know, someone who is in, I guess what you would call that sandwich generation, although my kids are a little bit older now, actually my kids are helping take care of their grandmother. And when you think one child in particular, and so when you think about this, there's a lot in that bill that helps families, helps families with childcare, helps families as older, as the older generation is aging, uh, being able to make sure that uh, our kids are more ready for school three and four four-year-olds going to preschool. So, you know, we can't only be focused on the physical infrastructure piece of what we need in our great country, but we actually do need to invest in these other systems. They really are systems of care, systems of being able to help families care for young children or older adults. And there's a lot more in there, too. But like I said, we need it to pass because actually, a lot of the things that are going to help us with electric vehicles and the energy grid uh, are residing in the other bill. And, you know, people have heard a little bit about everything from uh, prescription uh, drug costs, trying to lower those. All of that is in that other bill. So uh, it is needed.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there that addresses climate change, certainly. And um, I, I believe you recently wrote an op-ed about climate change and the, kind of the role that transportation plays in that very important issue. Um, would you care to touch on that a little bit? And Yeah. Started, I think?
2: So a couple of years ago, Mindot produced a report called uh, pathways to decarbonizing the transportation sector. And out of that, we formed a a group uh, that advises MnDOT right now called the Sustainable Transportation Advisory Council. And that includes folks from the private sector, from advocacy groups, as well as the public sector who are talking about, you know, how do we uh, lessen the effects of greenhouse gases on Minnesota and beyond? Because this isn't singularly just Minnesota. But so we've been working on a, on a number of things. First of all, this is why transits so important because we do need to reduce uh, some of our miles that we travel every week and trying to be more mindful. And people can do this today, but I think having a, a greater plan around it so that you, have better options is important. But one of the things is, you know, being more mindful about the trips you're making. We're working with local communities, even on things like land use issues, because, uh, you know, that's a huge driver of uh, what happens when people can't walk to get their groceries, or maybe they can't walk their kids to school. It's really about that marrying up of transportation, land use, other, other issues. But we also do need to be working on cleaner fuels as well as this electrification plan because we know electric vehicles are coming our way. Um, it, we, we, it's not overnight, but we can see that this is an important uh, thing that's happening.
1: Yeah and you know uh you know as well as I do that some of the big automakers have already announced that they're going to stop making these ICE vehicles, uh, internal combustion engine vehicles after what 2030 or 2035 or something so it's definitely coming. <laughs>
2: Right. It is. It is. And when I think about it, I also, you know, that's why the clean fuels part is still important because we know, you know, cars and trucks are being built better today than ever before. They last longer. People hold on to them longer. And so we do need a both and uh, approach to this. We need the electric vehicle charging network to be really robust. At the same time, we also need to make sure what we're putting into those combustion engines is, is polluting less because it is directly affecting our greenhouse gas emissions.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've been talking for years about the uh, how that ties into our revenue sources for transportation, of course, the gas tax. Um, what are your thoughts about the revenue sources of the future and how we'll eventually I guess, uh, phase out that gas tax and go to something more sustainable?
2: Yeah, the gas tax has been a real workhorse uh, for transportation. It's one of three major funding sources in Minnesota, along with your registration of your vehicle tabs and then the sales tax on vehicles. Those three have really been the workhorses of our system. We can see that uh, somewhere probably about year seven, eight or nine out from today, the gas tax does start to decline in its uh, production. Doesn't totally fall off, but what, I think what it means is that we really have to have this both Minnesota and national conversation about how are we going to pay for the infrastructure that we need and uh, that's required for us to be able to move about freely. And so one of the things that's in the federal bill is actually uh, some more money for uh, intrastate uh pilot on uh, distance-based uh, user fee. So uh, really something that's more based on the miles you travel and looking at, and it's not a full funding mechanism, but it's looking at, you know, how would that work? Uh, Could it work with current technologies? That's one option. There are other options out there about what it might look like. You know, it might be some additional way of looking at the uh, electrification portion of this, right? If we're moving towards electrification, is there a way to to be able to account for that same, similar type of revenue that has some growth going forward. I think that um, for the next year or so, it's, it's gonna be harder to get people to focus on that, uh, partly because of the infusion of the federal money into the system. And frankly, our state economically is doing pretty well and has a pretty robust economy right now. So I think it's gonna be a little bit down the road that we're having the conversation about uh, what's, what's the substitution for the gas tax.
1: Okay. And I guess while we're looking down the road, we can also look into the recent past, which is, I know that MnDOT just recently announced the completion of another construction season, 261 projects completed or advanced, I believe. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Some Certainly some big projects, the uh, I-35W at 94 immediately comes to mind. Huge $239 million project. I think everybody's just glad to see that done. <laughs> But, um, four
2: years four years of patience by people uh having to change their routes drive in different ways uh it has a state-of-the-art bus facility right at lake street with you know metropolitan councils bringing online a number of bus rapid transit lines that will also use that corridor it's super exciting but we also had projects like Highway 14 between uh, Owatonna and Dodge Center, Highway 14 being a real workhorse of a road across Southern Minnesota and uh, needed safety upgrades where the roadway is now divided, uh, four lanes. Uh, Really, we see a lot more traffic going between Rochester and 35W nowadays over to Mankato, so that's a big one. Um, we have a number of projects uh, that completed out to the West or are in process. We have sort of phases of projects up on 94 going out of the Twin Cities. Uh, I was just up at the what was once called the Brockton Interchange. It's now called the Dayton Parkway Interchange. And that is a lovely stretch of road, both from the standpoint of 94, but also up above it with uh, Dayton Parkway and a, a much safer design, uh, new, new interchange. So I think people are really gonna like that. We have more work to do out on 94, for sure. Uh, the Highway 12 project that we were working on this year, which is really a safety project. There's been too many, too many fatal crashes and life, life-changing injury crashes on Highway 12, US 12. So working to put in that center median out there. That divides the highway and you know it doesn't mean that there will never be a crash again, but the likelihood of a head on crash. uh, It nearly is taken away uh, when you have one of those medians in place, so a number of important projects that have been completed around the system and really excited for that work.
1: Yeah, and the roundabouts, people love them or hate them, but I happen to be a big fan of them. You talked about, you know, eliminating some of the dangerous T-bone crashes, and that's exactly what what they do. And uh, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of them. But uh, I'm
2: glad you are, and I hope your listeners, uh, who maybe someone's listening, and they think, really, you know, do you need to make that roundabout? It, 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 I don't like it. I don't like the idea of it, but but it does exactly what you're talking about, Brian. The, it takes away that T-bone crash. It takes away that head-on crash. It, you know, you, you can still have a, a crash, but it's usually a side swipe, right, or something like that. It's not nearly as catastrophic for the people in the vehicle, and the other part of it is it actually keeps traffic moving in most cases better than a stop sign, and um, you know it takes away idling, which you know is a waste of of the resource of gasoline. But it also just helps keep that traffic going in the right direction by by the utilization of the roundabout. There's some studies that have been done that if. People who are against the roundabout, when they first hear about it in a roadway, uh, are like, you know, something around the range of 80% opposed. But two months after a roundabout is installed and working, that drops down to only about 15% of the people being opposed to the roundabout. So roundabouts work. They're a change in our driving patterns and behaviors. And uh, we're trying to get better at it all the time, too, in terms of the type of roundabouts we are, are advising on or installing on our system.
1: Yeah, well, that's great. I, I live in Richfield here, and we have a, we have a number of roundabouts. And uh, what I like is you don't have to sit there at a red light when there's no traffic. You can just go right on through and, yeah. you know, you kind of touched on it. You're not idling there, um, right? Much, but anyway, I just had to get in a word about roundabouts. So
2: thank you for that.
1: <laughs> Margaret, uh, well, we've covered a lot of ground there and you've been generous with your time. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on um, before I let you go or? Um...
2: Well, if folks should keep their ears open about ways that we're gonna get input on the federal money coming into the state, uh, we're looking forward to finding ways to engage with people on things that they see that need to be improved and upgraded. Um, as well as these other important values of, you know, climate remediation, uh, reducing our greenhouse gases, as well as equity and fairness in our transportation system.
1: Great. Well, we'll look forward to that and, you know, a lot of challenges, but some exciting news too here. So, uh, thank
2: you for having me as a guest today. It's been great. Yeah, well, thank you and
1: uh, have a great day.
2: We'll, we'll, we'll
1: talk to you again soon, hopefully.
2: Sounds terrific. Thanks, Brian. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shatler, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.